Welcome back, everyone, to the Inkwell Gamers Podcast. I am Dana, and this is my husband, Dalton. Hey, everybody. And you are joining us on episode five. We are currently in the middle of doing an entire set review of the first chapter, and we are going over each of those individual colors and all of the cards in that color, and basically giving our personal opinion for how good they are. And so previous episodes we have done are Amber, Amethyst, and Emerald. So if you have missed those, go back and check them out. However, today we're going to be covering Ruby. And so before we get into each of those cards, let's just keep going at the pattern we've been doing. So Dalton, why don't you walk them through the grading process and then basically an overall uh, review of the color's characteristics. All right, so first we'll go over the, some of the color's characteristics and its identity. The highlights of Ruby are mainly that it has the highest end characters and actions in the game that I think are just the best between Aladdin, Maleficent, and Mickey Bravel Taylor. There's a lot of high-end characters that can play different roles, and they're all pretty powerful. Not only that, but this is a color that can deal with one opposing big threat pretty easily, and it also has some catch-up mechanics through taking lore from your opponent or maybe something like Be Prepared that can clear the whole board. The weaknesses in this color, however, are that it just doesn't have a lot of quality early plays. I think you'll notice that besides the generic one and two drop characters that this color has, it's pretty lacking on impactful threes and fours but once you start getting into the five cost characters mm -hmm. that's where everything starts turning up a notch so with that being said let's go over our grading process we have five grades s a b c and d we'll start with s these are the best cards in the color you couldn't imagine cutting them from the deck very high power level something like rapunzel right then we have A's, which are, you know, some of the best cards in the color, really high power level, but they might not be for every archetype, something like Maximus Palace Horse. Or another example is it's a really powerful card that spawns a strategy by itself, maybe Stitch Rockstar. B's, very solid role players, could be four ofs in a lot of decks, basically due to its nature and being cheap and inkable. So something that that goes along these lines are Stitch New Dog. Or maybe it's a card that has a little bit higher power level, but it's not inkable, maybe more expensive. A card like Hades, King of Olympus. Next, we'll go to C's. These are cards that will take specific decks to make them playable, or they have niche applications. Cards such as Sebastian Court Composer, could be really good in a heavy song deck, or maybe Dingle Hopper, which could be good in an item deck, but they're really not very strong outside of those specific decks. And then we have Ds, which are mostly unplayable, cards that you're almost never going to put in your deck. The main example of this so far has been Healing Glow, just a card that doesn't have a high impact, even when it is theoretically good. 
with that being said, let's jump right into Ruby. Dana, what's the first card on the list today? All right, so we have Abu, Mischievous Monkey. He is a inkable three drop, a three two, and quests for two. Personally, I have him as a B. I think he's pretty solid, and the fact that he quests for two, he would just be a nice little three drop to be on the board. What do you have for him? Yeah, I had him as a C. One thing that I don't like about him is that he has two willpower, which means he's going to trade with basically every single two-cost character. He does quest for two, but... I just don't think his stats are there. He's just going to get challenged and banished the very first turn you quest with him. I don't think he has a lot of utility, to be honest. Yeah, that's fair enough. All right, moving on to the next one, and arguably probably our favorites, or at least mine, because I have him in the deck I play with, is Aladdin Heroic Outlaw. He is a seven-drop inkable, although he shifts for five, and he is a five-five quest for two, and has the ability Daring Exploit. During your turn, whenever this character banishes another character in a challenge, you gain two lore and each opponent loses two lore. Dalton, what do you got him at? This card is an S. This is an insane Lorcana card. The fact that you can just play this on turn five and banish one of your opponent's characters and then it's probably still alive means you have a huge swing in lore against the more aggressive decks. He quests for a decent amount by himself. It's just a really, really strong card. It's not the best maybe against some of the control decks, but you know, against the aggro decks, this card just dominates them. Dana, what'd you give this? So as I said before, I have him in my deck. I really like him. So it probably comes as no surprise that I have him as an S as well. I just think he has really strong stats and the fact he can shift so it's cheaper. And it's just, he's just really annoying to the opponent. Most cards either affect lore by adding to yours or taking away from theirs. But the fact that this does both is really annoying. And due to the way that they worded his verbiage, they say each opponent. And so you know that come multiplayer, he's even more annoying because all of the people you're playing against are affected by him. So I think he's just an overall ass. He's really good. Yeah, the change in the race that this card provides is not to be underestimated. It is really strong. Now, the next card we have is Latin Street Rat. It is an inkable three-cost character. It's a 2-2 that quests for one, has the ability improvise. Whenever you play this character, each opponent loses one lore. I don't like this card very much, but I do have it as a B, primarily because I'm mostly going to put it in my Ruby decks because I think Aladdin Heroic Outlaw is really good, and I really want to be able to shift on turn five as much as I can. If that was not a, a big component to this game or this color, this card would probably be a D to me, but because Heroic Outlaw is just so good, I, I want this Aladdin in my deck as well, just to enable that. Mm -hmm. I have him as higher. I actually have him as an A. I feel like without his ability, he would just be a, a B, but the fact that he has an ability that when he comes into play, you lose a lore, I think is pretty good. I'm thinking of his application 
you already kind of mentioned he would probably be used to shift the big Aladdin onto. But I think if you play him in a deck where you also have cards that might return that to your hand. So I'm thinking of like Mother Knows Best. So stick with me here. You put Aladdin Street Rat down and each opponent loses a lore. And then eventually you shift him to Aladdin Heroic Outlaw. And let's just say you start to get some damage on your Aladdin Heroic Outlaw, but you don't want to lose him in a challenge. You can use Mother Knows Best and return both to your hand and then basically do it all over. And so I definitely can see that cycle being really good and annoying to deal with. And so that's why I graded him a little bit higher than you. I don't know. I, I feel like the situation I just described is you got to get those types of cards that return it to your hand. And, but then you also have to have that situation where he might have damage, but not quite dead yet. So that could probably be a really special circumstance, but I'm just trying to think of what I might encounter in my head. And that's, I don't know. That's why I graded him kind of high. Yeah. I just don't think that's a standalone card. It's particularly strong. There's a three cost Maleficent and Amethyst that has the same stats, but that one just draws you a card. And I gave that one an A. I, if I had to choose between the two, I would always put the Maleficent in my deck just because it's more powerful. So I was kind of comparing it to that. But I think we're just going to see that Ruby doesn't have a lot of good early cost plays. And this is one that enables one of your best cards. So I think you're just going to play it most of the time. Yeah, for sure. Okay, moving on to Captain Colonel's Lieutenant. Do you want to tell them about this one? Yes, this is an inkable five cost. It is a six five and a quest for one has no other abilities. I gave this one a D. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Would you give it? Well, what's your reason? <laughs> I just don't think that while the, the stats are there, it just doesn't have any good abilities. It doesn't really quest. It's, it's just full of stats. And I don't know if a character being full of stats is actually good enough in this game yet. Mm-hmm. My guess is that in order to be good, you have to have a lot of stats. Like maybe if this thing was like an 8-8 eight, eight for 5 that quested for one, I could understand that uh, because that's just going to require so many cards of your opponent to trade into it. Mm-hmm. But I just don't think a, a 6-5 is enough to do anything by itself. Yeah. Okay. I get that. I don't think I would be as harsh as you were. I feel like I could see it being in the BC range. So I think at least for this color, we don't, I mean, we don't really have anything like a, like a bodyguard that would be big like this with this kind of stats. And so this is kind of one of your only few big bodies um, of this color. But I mean, like you have, you have Scar that we'll get to, but he's a six, six and shifts for six. So he'd even be more expensive. Granite Scar has abilities, but I don't know. I didn't think he was too bad to make a D. So in my mind, this card directly competes with Maui, who we're going to talk about this episode finally after mentioning it every other episode. And I just don't think there's a comparison. Maybe that's because Maui, I believe, is just really strong. Mm -hmm. But yeah, when you you are comparing the two, I just don't think the, the captain does enough. Okay. And we'll get to Maui in a little bit to explain that a little more. 
Fair enough, fair enough. Okay, so just moving on here. Captain Hook, Ruthless Pirate, a uninkable seven drop, a five five, quests for two. He has rush, so that means he can challenge the same turn that you play him if you wish. Um, and then he also has the ability you coward. So while this character is exerted, opposing characters with evasive gain reckless. They can't quest and must challenge if able. Do you want to go through your grade first or you want me to do mine? Yeah, so expensive cards in Ruby, especially ones that aren't equable, you can't have very many of them because a lot of the really good expensive cards in Ruby, like Aladdin Heroic Outlaw, Maleficent we'll talk about, Mickey Brave Little Taylor we'll talk about, mm -hmm. those cost seven, eight, nine mana, and they are all inkable. So you just aren't going to have a lot of room for a card like this Captain Hook. Now, that being said, I do think this card is actually not too bad. It has a decent stat line. It's able to come into play and clear one of your opponent's characters that same turn. It can even quest for a decent amount. And the You Coward ability, I think, is actually pretty strong because some of the things that this cannot interact with with its rush ability, i.e. the characters with evasive, just make it so those characters have to attack Captain Hook and then you don't have to worry about those as much. So mm -hmm. I gave it a B. I do think there is a place for this card, but it has a lot of competition. Yeah, I was on the fence between an A and a B with him. I think he would be a solid A if he wasn't so expensive and uninkable, but I still think he's a really good card. I like that he is Rush, but his ability is what really makes me think that he's leaning more towards the A. Like you said, he helps deal with evasives, but I think that the circumstances that it triggers is wide because most cards that do an ability that gets triggered, they'll either say when questing or when challenging, but because his ability triggers when he is exerted, so it could be either or, I think that widens the circumstances that it occurs under. So that's why I feel like he is pretty good. Yeah, no, I definitely think it's a good card. I think if it was in another color, like steel we'll talk about, or maybe sapphire, I think it would be probably one of the top-end threats in those colors, but I think Ruby has a lot of top-end cards, so it's it's That's hard right. to find a place for it. Yeah, he has, he has a lot of competition, basically, yeah. so I get that for sure. But he's definitely still a powerful card. For sure. Okay, uh, moving on to Donald Duck, Boisterous Foul. He is a inkable two drop, a two, three, quest for one. Dalton, what you got? This is your typical two, three for two, quest for one. It's a B. B for me, moving on. Nothing really to <laughs> say about that. Okay, Elsa Ice Surfer. Do you wanna tell them about this one? Yeah, so Elsa Ice Surfer is a four cost inkable, is a three four, a quest for one, and its ability, that's no blizzard. Whenever you play a character named Anna, ready this character, this character can't quest for the rest of this turn. That whole line is something that you'll see quite a bit in red where you can ready a character but they can't quest. Again, 
I gave this card a C. It doesn't have amazing stats for being a four cost. It only quests for one. And you have to have Anna's in your deck for its ability to be relevant. I'm, I would guess that there are other better four cost options in whatever color combination you're playing with. Yeah, I, I gave it a C as well. I think as time goes on and more sets come out, you might get more Anna to where this card could be better but for right now what do we do we just have one Ana, right yeah, i'm pretty we, sure so yeah. it's like not even really useful yeah we don't even have an Ana in this, this color yeah. so it's hardly ever going to come up so i just you know it's a it's a c we don't have to spend too much time on it for sure moving on gaston arrogant hunter two drop that is inkable he's a four two with reckless i gave him a b i think he's a nice cheap option to get rid of the smaller characters personally i'm not a huge fan of reckless i have the play style where i would rather protect my characters and quest so i think reckless is kind of taking away that option for me to choose whether i want to challenge or quest and i'm forced to challenge so that's why i'm not a super big fan but i can see why he is a good card so that's why i made him a b yeah so i like gaston i also think it is a b the one thing i do like about the reckless characters is that they generally have pretty good stats for their ink cost because they can't quest so this one, while trading with basically every one and two drop character that you'll see, it'll also trade with a lot of four drop characters and three drop characters. So it can trade up in a lot of scenarios, but then again, its upside is just calf because if your opponent has some evasive creatures out and they're questing along, then this one is just going to sit there and do very little. Speaking of evasive, let's talk about Goofy Daredevil next. It is a 5 cost 3-4 that quests for 2 and has evasive. Dana, what do you think about the Daredevil? So I have him as a B. <clears throat> I think he's pretty solid. He's probably a little too expensive for his stats, but he does have evasive and can quest for two. So I see how that kind of evens out there. I did originally put him in my deck with Tigger, who we'll get to, but I think I'm to the point where I don't want both and I need to pick and choose which one I would cut. And I think because Tigger is more expensive, I'll probably cut him and keep Goofy. So, I mean, I think he's a pretty nice mid-level evasive. Yeah, he's definitely a good threat in the mid game, but he doesn't play defense super well, doesn't challenge super well, but hopefully when you're in these colors and you're going with the evasive strategy, you're just ahead on lore anyway, and you can just keep questing with him to stay ahead because he's not the easiest to deal with being evasive. Yeah, kind of buying you time until you get your, your big ones out there on the board too. Yeah. Okay. So next we'll talk about Lefou Instigator. This is a pretty interesting one. Let's see, what did I give this? I gave it a B. It is a 2-2 inkable for two. It quests for one, and its ability is Fan the Flames, which is a card uh, we will see towards the end of this color. And it says, when you play this character, ready chosen character, they can't quest for the rest of this turn. So Dana, 
What do you think about Lafou? I gave him a B. I think he's a solid two drop. However, I think he's a B for his ability. I am a big fan of cards where you could basically quest for free. And what I mean by that is if I quest with my characters that are already on the board and there's one in particular that I want to protect from getting challenged on my opponent's turn, I can play LeFou after I've already quested and basically unexert them so they can't be challenged by my opponent on their turn. So I really like him. I think he's a B. I like to gravitate towards characters that do this ability. Yeah, and the thing about this ability is that in red you can do a lot more than just protect a character that you quested with. For example, if when we talk about Mulan, you can trigger Mulan's ability again, potentially. You can have Aladdin Heroic Outlaw attack again, then you get another Drain 4 2 on your opponent. So this card has a pretty low floor. I mean, it's just a 2 2 for 2. It is inkable, so that's good, but. It also has a lot of really good upside that I am very interested in exploring. Yeah, I didn't even think about, I, I guess for me, because I like to almost play it safe and like preserve and quest, I didn't even think about how you could be aggro like double the time. So that's a good mm. point too. Yeah, challenge once, unexert it, challenge again seems really strong. For sure. Okay, moving on to a big boy. We have a nine drop inkable maleficent monstrous dragon and so this is definitely monstrous we have a seven five quest for two very expensive but she has the ability dragon fire which is something that we'll also see in our actions at the end but this is when you play this character you may banish chosen character really scary what you got so I gave this an A, it could be an S. I gave it an A because I could imagine some of the builds with LeFou and Mulan and Aladdin and Fan the Flames, just trying to get those multiple attacks in, or maybe you have a lot of evasive creatures. Maybe you just don't have room to play Maleficent. That's why I didn't give it an S. Mm -hmm. But in the controlling versions of this deck, it is incredibly strong. It comes down, banishes your opponent's most important character, and it has a good body and quest for two by itself. So it's a threat in of itself. It takes care of your opponent's biggest threat and it's inkable. And that I think might be the most important thing is that on turn one, you can just ink it if you have to. Yeah. Um, if it wasn't inkable, then I probably wouldn't play it a lot, but it is a really strong card. Yeah, I gave her an A for all the reasons that you said. I ideally wish we would have some sort of option to shift with her, but I get why they didn't because banishing a chosen character is just, it would, she would be way too good Yeah, imagine Imagine playing this on turn six. That's just like three turns earlier than what she cost. It'd be so good. Yeah, but I know I can't be too greedy, so I still think she's really good to be an A though, so for sure. Okay, now we get to Maui, hero to all. I know you've been wanting to talk about this one so why don't you take that away all right so to me this card is an a could be an s but this is going to be the litmus test for all five cost characters throughout the game of Lorcana. it is a five cost inkable it is a 6-5, so really good stats. It has Rush, so it can challenge the turn it comes in. It has Reckless, so it can't quest and challenges each turn if able. So it doesn't have any lore to quest. Mm -hmm. 
So the thing about this is, is that when your opponent is trying to gain lore and create their board, Maui is just going to come down and nuke everything that, nuke whatever the biggest threat was in play that your opponent has. Mm -hmm. And not only that, if it was something like Maximus Palace Horse, Maui even survives. So they're going to have to trade another card in just to get rid of this five drop. So your five drop already trade for their five drop and probably their two or three drop, right? For sure. And I think that's going to be a lot of the problems that a lot of the five cost cards have is that as soon as you quest with them or in the case of the evil queen Mm -hmm. they use their ability to draw cards this is just going to come in and take care of it and still be a pretty big threat on the board because it can take out so many different characters so i could see it being an s i can see you just playing in every single deck because it's so good at creating a board presence and taking away your opponent's board presence dana what'd you think of it so i feel like people are going to hate what i'm about to say but I originally had him graded as a B. I didn't really see all of his benefits until you were talking about him. Then I started reconsidering. I definitely undergraded him for sure, but I just thought he was just like a nice solid big boy. And, but you definitely changed my mind on that. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it is really strong to have your, it's kind of like a dragon fire, which is a card we're going to talk about later, but it's a dragon fire that can also trade with one of your other opponent's characters and is inkable. I think it's an incredibly strong card. Um, you know, I'm just going to move it to an S right now. Okay. Actually. So while you do that, I am going to introduce our next card. So we have Mickey Mouse, Brave Little Taylor. It is a inkable eight drop. He is a five, five, has evasive and quest four, four. So if you have seen any of the promos, this is kind of the artwork they've been using. So he's definitely has a recognizable art, but he is expensive and you cannot shift with him. However, he quests for four, which is massive. I unfortunately have, I have him in my deck, but I'm actually kind of sad that I haven't really been able to play him. Mm-hmm. So far, I have gotten to the point where I get to play Aladdin Heroic Outlaw. And then by that time, I'm at the point where the game's kind of over. So I haven't really been able to play with him that much and have a lot of fun with him. But I'm really hoping that in the future, I would be able to use him more because I love the concept of the card. I just wish I could use him. <laughs> yeah, I think once you and I build more decks together in paper and can play them, you'll definitely see that. it. I mean, I, I know you know it's really good. What grade did you give it? An S. An S. Yeah, I initially had it as an A, but it's, it's an S tier card to me as well. It's an expensive card, but it's inkable, so it has that good floor of never just sitting in your hand, Mm -hmm. which I think is a really positive thing about a lot of the good ruby expensive cards, that most of them are inkable. But it's a 5-5, good body, and then questing for 4 with one character, that is 20% of the total lore you needed to win the 
game. So really, how many times do you even need to quest with this card in order to, to finish the game out? The answer is hopefully twice at most, but a lot of times it's only just going to be that one quest that ends the game. It is really strong. It finishes the game fast. Very, very good card. And it has evasive, which makes it really hard to deal mm -hmm. with unless you have very specific cards that get rid of him. Yeah, it is. It is really strong. All right. Well, moving on. Minnie Mouse, always classy. She is a inkable one drop, a one three quest for one. No special abilities. I have her as a B. I think she's a nice little one drop. I think because she has the willpower of three, you can quest with her for the first two, like you could quest with her two times without somebody probably banishing you with maybe like a one, two or a two, two, because she has that three that she can withstand something like that of similar drop characters. So I think she's just solid. Yep. Definitely a B. I don't have any more to really add to that. Cool. Moving on. Do you want to tell them about Moana Chosen by the Ocean? Moana Chosen by the Ocean is a five cost inkable. It is a two, six that quests for two. It also has the ability, this is not who you are. When you play this character, you may banish chosen character named to Kaa. That is very specific and oddly targeted. Not oddly targeted, but it's very targeted. Yeah. <laughs> you definitely had an announcer voice come out there. I like it. So I'll start if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. I put her kind of in the range of a B to C, although I think she might lean more towards a C. Even though she quests for two, I think her strength being weaker is a turnoff for me. And then her ability is like Dalton said, very specific. There are Takas. There's one in a different color that is really annoying, but it's very circumstantial. So I think that's why I'm leaning more towards the C. Yeah, if your opponent is playing the Taka theme deck, this card is probably really good. If your opponent is not playing a Taka theme deck, this card probably does very little. And <laughs> half the time, you won't even know that they're going to bring a deck like that. Nope. So. <laughs> so yeah, you're, you'll probably just ink it on turn one anyway. Yep. <laughs> All right. So next we have Mulan Imperial Soldier. I think this is a good one. It's a five cost inkable four five and it quests for one has the ability lead by example. During your turn, whenever this character banishes another character and a challenge, your other characters get plus one lore this turn. So I have her as a B. Personally, I have her in my deck right now too. I think she has nice stats and pumping up your character's lore when challenging with her is really nice for the late game, if you have a bunch of little glimmers on the board it's and it's pretty neck and neck, it would be nice to use her to kind of finish it out before your opponent can. So yeah, I think she's pretty solid. Yeah, I, I was on the fence between a B and an A for this one. I haven't played with her that much to really have a firm opinion, but they're, with Fan the Flames and LeFou being able to ready her and let her attack again, this can lead to some really explosive turns of questing, and that's something I'm very interested to, to try out, but I'm just, I just kind of worry that it also has the Maui problem, just comes in, then dies to Maui, or it isn't going to kill enough things of the same mana cost whenever it, it challenges. Mm -hmm. Those are some of the things I worried about, but I still think it can be a really strong card. Yeah, for sure. Okay, moving on. Peter Pan, Fearless Fighter. We have an uninkable three drop. It's a three, two, quests for one, and has rush, which means they can challenge the turn that they are played. I think... 
I have it as a B. I'm kind of teetering between a B and a C, but I keep thinking back to Rafiki has a similar style and I think we gave him a B or an yeah, A. Yeah, I gave, you gave him a B, I gave him an A. Yeah, and so I feel like I should kind of stick with my B. I don't like that he's uninkable, but I do like him for the purpose of just immediately dealing damage. Yeah, so I gave this one a C. I think it not being a 3-3 is just significantly worse than Rafiki because when you challenge a character that the turn this comes into play, it's basically always going to get banished itself, whereas with Rafiki, that's just not the case. Mm-hmm. So it it is quite a bit worse to me than what Rafiki is. You can still play it in Ruby if you're not Amethyst. I can, I can definitely foresee it being an option in that case, but it is a worse Rafiki, and that kind of goes along with the theme that Ruby just has worse early characters than other colors, which... It's high end is fine, so that makes sense. Yeah, okay. So next, let's talk about Pongo, old rascal. It is a four cost two, three. That is inkable. Quest for two and evasive. Dana, I know you've been playing with this one. Yep. So, of course, I would probably have him as a B. I think that he's just like a nice solid body that quests for two. I think if he didn't quest for two with his stats, I would put him at a C, mm-hmm. but he has that going for him, which makes me make him a B. Yeah, to me, he is probably the best three or four cost card that Ruby has to offer, which is kind of saying a lot because the color we talked about last episode, Emerald, they have Tinkerbell, which is the same card, but has a little more upside even. Yeah. But it's inkable. It can help you catch up in quest or maybe trade with your opponent's mm-hmm. uh, evasive characters. It works really well with Mulan if you can get that setup going. So it, it has some upside, but it's it's just a, a B to me as well. Okay, for sure. All right, moving on. Rapunzel letting down her hair, an uninkable six, a five, four, quests for two, and then has the ability of Tangle. So when you play this character, each opponent loses one lore. What you got for her? I gave her a C. I could see it being a D as well. She's uninkable, so she doesn't have that early game versatility. Her stats aren't particularly good for a five cost character. She does quest for two, which is good, but her ability just isn't really worth all of that to me because just gaining one life in magic or uh, losing your opponent losing one lore in this game isn't often enough going to be what determines the game. Like you need bigger swings. That's why Heroic Outlaw is so good because that's mm-hmm. like a four point swing. This is just like a one point swing. It's just It's just not enough by itself. Okay. I was a little bit different than you. I probably was more generous than I should have been. I did give her a four, or sorry, not a four, a B. I do like that her stats are a five, four, probably a little bit less than what it should be for her cost. But I don't know. I think in combination with her questing for two and removing one from your opponent, you're coming up on top double basically. So I don't know. That's I kind of kept her out of B there. It is possible with both Aladdin's in this color and with Rapunzel that you have enough of those effects Mm -hmm. of them losing lore that it stacks up enough to be really relevant, but that's just something I have to deceitably first. Okay. All right. So do you want to introduce the first of two scars we're about to talk about? Yeah. Scar, Fiery Usurper. It is a four cost thinkable 5-3 that 
requests for one. I gave this card a solid D. <laughs> I don't think I'm ever going to play it. It has a lot of power for its cost. Its strength is good, but it's also going to trade with a lot of three drops a lot of the time because it only has three toughness and... Mm -hmm. I mean, most of the three-cost cards that we've seen have three strengths. So it trades down a mana often enough that I'm just not into it. It only quests for one. It just doesn't strike a chord with me. I was kind of like BC. I think what kind of drew me more towards a B was I like it. Was, I was enticed by the strength of five, but he is pretty squishy on the, the defensive side. So I see where you're coming from for that, for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, so next we have Scar Shameless Firebrand. It is a uninkable eight drop, a six six, quest for one. You can shift him for six, and he has the ability Rousing Speech. When you play this card, ready your characters with a cost of three or less, and they can't quest for the rest of the turn. So the problem with this card is that it is also competing with Maleficent. Mickey Mouse Brave Little Taylor, and Aladdin Heroic Outlaw as your expensive threats, and those are inkable. So yeah. it's the, the same thing with the seven cost Captain Hook that we saw in this color. It's just hard to play these cards when your other cards of the same color are inkable and arguably higher impact. Mm -hmm. So I just don't really see it with this card. And another thing is that I also don't think the Scarfire Usurper is good. So I don't want to put a bad card into my deck just to make this maybe a little bit more powerful card card a little bit more castable because I think if you're going to play this scar you probably have to play the fiery usurper which I don't want to do anyway right and I'm not even sure its ability of writing your characters with cost three or less is even that relevant because you're in the color that has like the the worst characters that cost three or less so you could quest maybe for one with Aladdin or Peter Pan again and then ready them so they don't get attacked but I mean it's just they don't really have any abilities and there's not any cheap songs to sing with them I just I just don't see it okay I was on the fence with a BC I think leaning more towards C because he's expensive and uninkable but I think the fact that he is a 6-6 six, six and shifts for 6, that's why I was going more towards B, but I'm not going to lie, you talking about all of his cons and not very many pros made me shift more towards C, so I'm going to change to a solid C. Yeah, I definitely think that as more cards come out, this is a card that could definitely, and uh, you know, my evaluation of it could change because... There are more three or less cards with abilities that maybe you have to exert to use, mm -hmm. and then I'll be all about it. But right now, I do not. I am not a believer. Okay, I respect that. Next, we have Sergeant Tibbs, Courageous Cat. He is a inkable one drop, a two two quest for one. I have him as a B. I just think he's a nice little one drop. And that's all I really gotta say about him. <laughs> yep, just like all the other cards of this ilk, he's a he's a B. Nothing to talk about really. Cool. Moving on then. We have Stitch Abomination. You want to go through that one? Yep. Stitch Abomination is a inkable six cost that has four, six, and stats and quests for three. So this is a card that quests for quite a bit. Dana, what do you think of the Abomination? 
So I gave him a B. I think he's pretty good. He is expensive for not having an ability, but he does quest for three. Personally, I think there are other big ones that are similar, if not better. So I might not want to have four of him in my deck. Maybe I would splash them like with two, but I think I Ruby is such a solid color with a lot of good cards. I think at the end of the day, I, I might just not have enough room for him. Yeah, I gave him a C. I think that he also has a Maui problem in the format because I think Ruby's going to be a really popular color and you're just going to play this quest with it, gain three lore, the Maui is going to smash it. So I think that's an issue with it. And just like all the other expensive cards in, in Ruby, there is a lot of competition. Um, this one is inkable, so that gives an advantage over something like the Big Scar or Captain Hook, mm -hmm. but I just don't think it's powerful enough on its surface, and you're not often trying to get to 20 that fast in this color, I don't think. You're just trying to keep your opponent from getting to 20 faster, so you're trying to control the board a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, so I have a, I have a C. Okay. So next we have Taka, the Burning One. She is a uninkable six drop, an eight six that has Reckless. So you want to start us off with that? Yep. I also gave this a C. I can see it even being worse than that, honestly. I, I don't know when you're going to put this in your deck. It it's just a worse Maui to me. It's not inkable, it costs one more, and it has marginally better stats. I don't think I am ever gonna play this card, honestly. Oh, and it also dies to that Moana. It just gets banished by that Moana straight up when you're, so you definitely can't play it then. I gave her a B. I think because her strength is at an eight, that makes her really powerful when she challenges. And I know that you mentioned that she might not be good against like Maui, for instance, but I think that's us being concerned about her withstanding being challenged by very few cards. But if we look at her overall challenging ability of the majority of cards, she would last. So that's why I gave her a little bit higher than you. Yeah, this is definitely going to be a character. She's going to probably challenge something, survive, and then challenge something again. And I mean, that's kind of what you want from your expensive cards. My whole thing was that she just does it worse than what Maui does. Oh. We can move on to Tigger, though. It is Tigger. Wonderful thing. So tell us about Tigger, Dana. So he is a six drop inkable, a four, four quests for two and has evasive. I started mentioning this back when we were talking about Goofy and how I have both of them have to probably choose one that I want to get rid of. And unfortunately he's going to probably make the cut. However, I think if you don't have one, it's he's okay. It, like if you don't have Goofy, but you want him, it's not bad. I think Goofy's just better than him. So I would give him like a C. He does quest for two and has evasive. That's all fine and dandy, but I think Goofy's just a better card. Yeah, the thing is, is that they are the exact same card, except Tigger costs one more and has one more strength, which the whole point of the evasive cards is not really to challenge anyway. You're right. just trying to, to quest with them and get the 20 as quickly as possible. So 
you just want the cheaper card that quests for the same amount. That's why Pongo is probably just a, a lot better card in this color than Tigger, right? Yeah, for sure. And and Goofy as well. So I gave this card a C. I can see playing one or two of those if you just need an extra evasive quester at the top end. Yeah. But that that's also cheaper than Mickey Brave Little Taylor. But it's not not that great of a card. Uh-huh. All right, so with that, we are all done with our characters for that color. So now let's move into our actions and our items. Our first action is actually a song, Be Prepared. So Be Prepared! Oh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> so when you play Be Prepared, you banish all characters, including yours. However... Despite that, I give it an A. I think it's really good if you put yourself in a situation where you don't mind getting your characters banished and you're going to really benefit from your opponent's characters being banished. Yeah, I definitely gave an A as well. The fact that you can shift Aladdin on turn five and then seeing be prepared is a really strong interaction. Not that you want to lose your Aladdin, but you're casting it two turns earlier against maybe the Stitch Rockstar aggressive quest decks that you might fall too far behind with if you couldn't do that. So that's a really interesting combination, but it's also just good at, you know, just clearing the board when you are behind later in the game. I think it's a good card. It's not an S because if you're an aggressive deck yourself, then you just don't really want this card in your deck because mm -hmm. you want to be questing and it's not good to banish all of your stuff. But uh, in the controlling decks, more bin ragey decks, you definitely could get away with two, three, four copies of this. Yeah, for sure. Cool. All right. You want to do the next one? Yeah. So the next one is Cut to the Chase. It is a two-cost thinkable. Chosen character gains rush this turn. That is it. I have this card as a D. Hmm. I was a little bit nicer. I kind of <laughs> I gave it a B, C, but now that you said D, I wonder if I should just go straight down to a C. I like what the card does. I would only probably want it in certain circumstances, though, so that's why I was leaning more towards a C. Tell me why you would give it a D. I just don't think the card is is worth a card in general because if you're going to rush with a card, you want it big enough to challenge your opponent's character and survive. And in order to do that, you're going to have to play a more expensive character like a six cost or a seven cost character and how often are you going to have a seven cost character that you can play and have the ability to cut to the chase in the same turn? That just mm -hmm. doesn't seem something that's super likely to me. And one of the main characters that you'd want to do this with as well is Aladdin Heroic Outlaw. And with that card, you can just shift onto a smaller Aladdin. Yeah. I don't think the scenarios come up too often where this one really works out for you especially when you have i'm gonna say the card again maui that is just a nice efficient rush character by itself okay that's fair enough yeah moving on to Dragonfire. this is a uninkable five drop an action that banishes chosen character what do you got for it 
This is an A to me, mainly because it competes with Maui a little bit and it's not inkable. I didn't want to give it an S, but I do think it is a really strong card. It is just to me, the best removal spell throughout all the colors. It's efficient in banishing your opponent's most expensive characters, where it kind of laxes if your opponent has a cheaper character that is kind of threatening you. Let's say they shift Stitch Rockstar onto their Stitch. Then while this is a trade that you're happy to make, you're Dragon Fire for their Stitch Rockstar, it's not the most mana efficient in that scenario, or ink efficient, I should say. Yeah. But it is a really strong card. I'm going to play three or four of in almost every single Ruby deck for the time being. Dana, what do you think? So I'm a little surprised you only gave it an A. I gave it an S. I have four of these in my deck. And I think the reason why I graded it so high is because as I've been using that, I've just had situations where it's just come in clutch for me. So I've really seen how nice I can benefit from it. I top decked it. I was, I remember there was one game you and I were playing and it was like, you were going to win that next turn unless I drew it. And so I was wishing, 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 and then I top decked it and it, that allowed me to literally win the game against you. So I, I love this card. I, I think it's an S personally. I can see where you're saying about it being an A though, but at least for my preference, I like an S. Yeah, it's definitely good, mainly because it can banish characters that aren't exerted. So characters that you otherwise wouldn't be able to interact with. Or uh, might have evasive. Or that might have evasive. You can banish that character and it's all fine. It's not always the best rate, but it just does what it needs to do really well. So the next card is Fan the Flames. It is a one cost inkable action. It says ready chosen character. They can't quest for the rest of the turn. So this is kind of an interesting card. It is kind of like a combo card with Mulan and Aladdin Heroic Outlaw. It's only one mana. It lets you challenge with those two cards an extra time to trigger their abilities. Mm -hmm. And it's inkable. But besides that, there's not a whole lot you can do with it. I gave it a C. There are some decks that I can see making really good use of this, but I'm not. it's not going to go in every deck. Dana, what'd you give it? So I... I'm in the BC range. I gave it a B. I know that there are other cards that do this ability, but since it's so cheap, I don't think it's a solid C. That's what kind of brings me up to it being a B. Like if this was a two or three drop, I wouldn't see its value, but it's it's cheap. And I said it before, I'm a sucker for cards that allow you to basically quest for free, which is my play style. I know that you said the benefits of something like this for even being more aggro, but that's why I, I think it's more a BC range, not necessarily a solid C like you gave it. Yeah, there are definitely going to be those turn sixes where you shift Aladdin and then you play Fan the Flames after you banish an opposing character and that's just an eight-point lower swing, and that's going to be really hard to come back from your opponent. So this has a really high upside. It also has a low floor, but there's only some situations that it's really going to reach that really high upside in. So I have a C. It could end up being a B. Only time will tell. I'm, I could, I'd be 
could be convinced either way, honestly. Yeah. All right, so next one we have is he's got a sword. It is a one-cost tankable action. Chosen character gets plus two strength this turn. I have this one as a D. I put it as a C. I was trying to be a little bit more generous with it, but it's very circumstantial whether you would want to use the ability or not. Yeah, Emerald showed us two cards that were similar, an action that gave a character plus two strength or plus three if it's a villain, or they have that item that kind of does something very similar. This, to me, is just the worst version of both of those. I don't think you're ever going to play it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Next one is Tangle. It is a inkable two drop where each opponent loses one lore. What you got for that one? Again, a D for this one. I don't think I'm ever going to play this one either. Aladdin, I don't think is a fantastic card. The three drop that makes your opponents lose one lore. And this one doesn't even come with a creature attached to it. Does not affect the board in any way. It is just not something I could really see playing. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I was not in agreement with you on this. For some reason, I don't know, when I when I look at the card, I, could, I think it's a B, but that's, I don't know what I was thinking. I'm not going to lie, but I feel like it's not a bad card. Yes, it has the same ability as that Rapunzel, which does have stats and lore attached to it, but you might have certain situations where when you're building your deck, you might not want to have a uninkable six drop creature and you'd rather just maybe splash with one or two of these. So... What if instead of playing this, you just play a two-cost creature? Because that is probably just as likely to take a lore off the board by challenging an opponent's character. I think what is keeping me on to this is the potential for it to be good in multiplayer because it says each opponent and Mm -hmm. not chosen opponent or, you know... I I don't know. So I, I think that verbiage is what drew me to making it a B, but... Honestly, I don't know. I I was just going off instinct and like first instinct. That's what I thought. But I feel like the more I do think about it, I could see myself changing. But I I don't want to just. I feel like I gotta just stick stick with what to I the did. guns. You know, stick to stick my guns. To your guns. Yeah, for me, I'm never gonna play this over like the mini mouse that's in these colors, the one three for one. But I can appreciate your like for it. Okay. All right, next card, we have Poisoned Apple. It is a three-cost uninkable item. It has Take a Bite at its ability. You can pay one ink and banish this item. You exert chosen character. If it is a princess that you chose, banish her instead. So, the good tech against uh, the princess deck that we've all heard so much about. Mm -hmm. I have it as a D. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I feel better about myself. So I just think for it costing three and being uninkable, I don't think its ability is that strong to want to have in my deck. And yes, it can banish a princess character, but as we talked about in our Amber deck, right now there aren't very many strong princesses to really rock a princess deck. Maybe this will be better in the future, when we see more princess decks being played. But as of right now, I think it's just not worth it. Yeah, so 
if when we get into competitive tournaments and we have best of three rounds with a sideboard, I could see this card being a sideboard player just because if your opponent is playing the princess deck, then this gives you a really efficient answer to the strong princesses. But it's not really a card that you could put in your main deck because it's not inkable and it's pretty narrow. But if we have sideboards in competitive play, I could definitely see it being being a, you know, maybe you played two or three copies in it. Mm -hmm, for sure. All right, so we're down to our last two items. Both come from Sleeping Beauty. So we have the Shield of Virtue and the Sword of Truth. So first, let's go over Shield of Virtue. It is a uninkable one drop and it has fireproof. So you tap this and pay three ink and ready a chosen character. They cannot quest for the rest of this turn. What you got for it? So I have this one as a C. I bet you like this one more than me. I think that if you're going to play this, you can't play four of them. You might just play two of them. It is good when you draw one and only one of them, I feel like. Yeah. You never want to have two of these in play just because six mana to ready two characters is just too much you don't have the man to spend mm -hmm. on that usually but the utility that you can get from one of them to quest for four or three with a, a stitch abomination and ready it so it can't be targeted by challenging is pretty strong something like that but yeah i have it as a c just because i never want to draw more than one in any given game yeah i have this as a b i see where you're coming from and that you don't really want to draw more than one on the plus side of it though even if you do it is inkable it so is you can, inkable so you can yeah. just put it into your ink mm. opposed to the next one we'll talk about which is not inkable so i think even if worst case scenario you draw this and you already have one you could just put it in your ink well and mm. move on but i like that since it's an item you can continually do it opposed to an action or maybe a character's ability something similar to this is really just triggered once if if it's a character or an action so i like that you can repeat it yeah like it's ink cost is super cheap so that's really good it's not too expensive to use like the magic mirror where it costs four it costs three i just you know it's just not a card that even if i can ink it it's not a card i want to draw too many of because once you get later in the game you don't want to draw cards that you just know you're gonna ink you know yeah for sure and yeah, you could say that about a lot of one-drop characters as well, but those have more utility late in the game, at least being able to challenge and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I could, I could see it being a little bit better than that because in the situations where it's good, it is pretty strong. Yeah, I, I, and I think, too, the reason why I graded it a little bit higher is because we have played against it where it has disrupted us. So yeah, I, for sure. I can see with it being how annoying it was when we went to like the pre-release event at our game store. It definitely, I think it caused that player to to win. So yeah, I don't know. I just, I kind of gave it a little bit higher than you in that regard. Yeah. Okay, last one. You want to go through that one? Yeah, this is the Sword of Truth. It is a four cost uninkable. It is pretty similar to the Poisoned Apple and that's an item that kind of just sits in play. Then you can banish it to banish chosen villain character i also have this one as a d yeah this is another one that if in competitive tournaments you get a sideboard you could put two or three of these in the sideboard and bring them in against your opponent's hades deck or whatever it is 
but as a main deck card being uninkable and this is almost even more narrow than the poisoned apple Mm -hmm. i don't see ever putting this in my in my deck unless there's a really good reason to have it yeah like if the hades decks or something like that just become super strong super common that's the metagame yeah you're gonna play these but it has a diminishing returns by a lot yeah for sure and so i gave it a d2 for the record but Going off of two, what you said, it is more narrow because at least than the poison apple, because at least for the poison apple, you can do something else. Like you can exert a chosen character and then if it's a specific type of deck, you can banish it. This one, they don't even give you that option and it's more expensive. So it, yeah. I would I, I would make this an, an F if I could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see in, well, I think the next color we're going to talk about items a lot just because that's what Sapphire has a lot of. Right. And I can see a deck playing the Sword of Truth and the Poisoned Apple in and Ruby Sapphire deck. But even, even then, when you have all these payoffs, things that give you advantages for playing the items, I still don't know if they're going to be good but that's something to explore eventually as well okay well that wraps up our set review of the ruby cards with that being said next time we're going to talk about sapphire as dalton alluded to but in the meantime until we drop that episode feel free to catch our streams of playing on pixelborn or tabletop whichever we choose to do this week and find us on youtube and twitch doing that but if you just want to keep updated on when our new episodes drop give us a follow on twitter or instagram We are the Inkwell Gamers on all of those. And with that being said, let's have a wonderful day. (laughs) See you guys.